Hello, and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive into wild... <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Pale Reflections, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we reflect on Wild Bo's most scholastic work as it releases. I'm Elliot Diebold, and, well, lucky for all of us, that'll be the last time you have to hear me do that intro. Because, uh, next week, we're back on our regular schedule. Uh, so... I guess let's head into our final special individual holiday schedule episode. Uh, as we talk about the uh, 7.8 extra material, can we talk about the girls? Uh, it, it, it's kind of like a Jasmine interlude. It's basically the, uh, like the Kennedy parent uh, chapter, um, but it's focused, it's focused in on Jasmine as a, as a POV. Um, and this is... Very exciting. I don't think anyone saw something like this coming. Um, I, I love this. Like, we get updates on the Kennedy home lives, which obviously, like, for Avery and Verona, we've had very specific questions that have been brewing around that stuff. Um, and it, it just, like, helps keep us in touch with Kennet. I think it, it's very easy with all this Blue Heron Institute stuff going on to think about Kennet, the Carmine Beast, as, like, a bit of a faraway, non-urgent problem again. And and this extra material is just a bit of a little poke to us to be like, hey, that's still important. Blue Heron Institute, that's, that's not the main story that, that we're telling here. This is, you know, it, it's part of it. It's obviously a major part. But, like, you know, we've got we to gotta get back to that stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, I just loved everything about this. Uh, I, I saw Tasawat on Reddit mention um, how, like, amazing it is. Like, this, you know, this has been placed in the middle of one of the giant action set pieces of the story so far, and all of us are like, oh, hell yeah, bunch of parents having dinner, like, fuck yeah. Um, uh, like, I I love that Wildbo is able to get that out of us. I think it's so impressive that we can, we're excited about a distraction from the main, like, ma magical conflict to watch a bunch of old people eat dinner, um, or dessert. Uh, and they're not that old, I suppose. I, I, I can't keep thinking of the adults as the old people. I am getting there. Uh, happy New Year to everyone, by the way. Um, but yeah, so uh, obviously we, we set on with Jasmine and Avery's parents arrive. Uh, we get names for her parents. Uh, her dad is Connor and her mum is Kelsey Kelly. Um, and I just bring that up because like, okay, so presumably Kelsey had a maiden name, but then she got married and became Kelsey Kelly. And then with great malice of forethought, still named her youngest daughter Kerry Kelly. Um, I mean, honestly, most evil person in the book. Give me a Bristow any day. Um, yeah, like, I, <laughs> the Kelly family. They're right up there with uh, Audrey and Aubrey's parents now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, also, Jasmine orders a brownie in this segment, so a brownie. Read, read into that what you will. Um, but yeah, so, so to get to get into like the actual meat of this chapter, I, I feel like what was so insane to me about this was it, it genuinely felt to me like parents hanging out, like it invoked memories of me being 10, 12, and like having to listen to my parents hang out with like my friend's parents. Uh, it really just invoked that feeling in me in, in, in a way that it is just so impressive. Like Wobbo was able to capture that in a really accurate way, I feel. Uh, and at the same time as that, you can really sort of feel the the Kenneteers like here, or, or like you can see the ways they resemble or or contrast uh, their parents uh, in in the way that this conversation flows. Uh, 
like the way the Kellys talk is very Avery. Like there's just there's a few moments where like Kelsey is sort of like, and you know, you better keep trying to impress me, Mister. And it it felt like an Avery, a bit of an Averyism, just not quite, but very close. Um, and then obviously like Avery's parents are very like kind of touchy feely, lovey dovey at the start at least. Um, and the Jasmine sort of notes how they're quite energetic and positive, so that they kind of felt like the Averys in here. And, and then, you know, by contrast, like Jazz is very much kind of like the serious one. And, and, and you know, there, there are points where Brett points out she does sound like Lucy. Um, so she felt like a bit like Lucy. Uh, Rona's dad, a bit more of a mixed bag, but he is sort of, uh, Jasmine is trying to parent him and make him take care of himself and he's not doing it. That's pretty fucking Verona. Um, so, you know, I, like, Verona's not her dad, but she's not, She's of her dad. <laughs> uh, it feels harsher than I mean it to be. But, um, you know, I, I guess more than just seeing them in their parents, you can maybe sort of see, I think all three girls have this very defined idea of, like, what adult happiness is. Uh, like, you know, like, you can see where Avery's need to have that love and support comes from her parents here. Uh, obviously, you know, we know, we've discussed at length what Brett did to Verona. Uh, and then, you know, Jasmine is the, the sort of serious one. You can kind of see how that, where Lucy might have gotten a bit of that from. Um, so, yeah, like, I really like how you can sort of feel the Kennedys in their parents. I think that that's really cool and adds to this feeling. Um, but with that said, I mean, the conversation kind of ebbs and flows throughout this whole dinner. Uh, that's like the majority of this extra material. There's some fun little details, like every time they almost try to think about where the Kennedys are. Something interrupts them. It's very fun. Uh, the spirits doing their jobs, uh, enforcing those connection blockers. Um, but I, I think the easiest thing to do here is actually just going to kind of be to focus in on each parent, um, because that was sort of how I left the extra material thinking wasn't about specific events, but about each of the parents, because this is our first real time seeing them interact and, and focusing in on them as characters outside of exclusively their relationship with the Kennetiers. Uh So I wanted to start with Connor, uh, Avery's dad, because for some reason he felt like the one who I was learning the most about and thinking about the most after I read this. Like, he, he reminded me a lot of Rowan when we saw Rowan in the record shop with Lucy and Verona, in that he, he seems like he maybe means well, like he's kind of good at heart. He's just a bit of a clueless dope when it comes to things like realizing his privilege and uh, understanding that not everyone is just sort of you know cishet white by default sort of thing um he like he has this one comment where he, jasmine brings up like she'd much rather be working in the hospital and he's like oh you know i'll, I'll put in a good word for you I, I know some people there like my brother works there and you know like that, that's just how these things work like I'll, I'll do that for you and jasmine's obviously grateful but it's just like the way he delivers it he's just like, you know, oh, that's just the way things work here. It's like, yeah, but, like, should it be? Like, should Jasmine only be able to get a job there because she knows you and you know your brother? Like, anyway. um, Yeah, so, like, kind of hard in the right place, just uh, spotty execution is how I would summarize Connor and Rowan, uh, really. Uh, and, then, and then, obviously, like, he and Kel Kelsey, Kelsey Kelly, have this meltdown uh, towards the end of the dinner because, obviously, he's... He's struggling to come to terms with with Avery's sexuality, basically seems to be the problem. And, I mean, I, I kind of struggle with this because 
I, I can understand why it is a bit tough for him. If he is someone who hasn't had to confront this before, um, I, I can see why I, I could sympathize a little bit with it just taking him a while and him thinking, oh, well, maybe it's this because he, he, he doesn't get it. Um, and there is a bit of an irony to him. Like he seems to kind of want to blame Miss Hardy for Avery thinking she's gay. Um, and the ironic thing about that, that whole situation is there are legitimate concerns that Avery's parents maybe should have about Avery and Miss Hardy, uh, more on Avery's end than anything Miss Hardy's doing. Um, but he's barking up entirely the wrong tree when it comes to what he should be concerned about with Miss Hardy and Avery. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of willing to cut Connor a bit of slack for now because he, he, he seems to be trying. He's going fucking glacially slowly. Um, but I think he, he's trying. He seems to listen to Jazz about it at the end of this extra material when, when she kind of figures out what's happening and, and confronts him as well. Um, and, you know, so it's like even if he's bringing this stuff up that Kelsey doesn't want him to and kind of ticking her off, if it leads to him hearing it from Jasmine as well and hearing it from more people leads to him making progress, I, I can live with it, I suppose. Like, I'll continue to give him minor passes as long as he's trying to move forward and, and succeeding, I suppose. Um, like, you know, you compare him to someone like Paul, and not that Paul is, like, the <laughs> anywhere near the minimum bar of what we should accept, but, um, you know, if you compare him to Paul, like, he's trying and he's listening, and I, I think he deserves a bit of credit for that, even if it's taking him so fucking long, because I guess if, if you're that old and, and you're only doing this stuff for the first time, you maybe got to cut him a bit of slack. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how he goes. Like, I reserve the right to change my mind. Um, uh, so to move on to his wife, uh, Kelsey Kelly, I honestly don't have much to say here. She just seems kind of awesome and, like, clued in. Like, she realizes they fucked up and she's she's fully on board with accepting Avery from the from what I could gather, like, yeah, not much to say, Kelsey Kelly. You seem pretty cool. Um, hopefully, you can drag Connor forward with uh, Jazz as well. Not much to say on Jazz because she just continues to be like the gold fucking standard for parenting. She defends Lucy uh, against Bader in exactly the way you can tell Lucy would want to be defended and the way we would want her to defend Lucy. Uh, she's sort of telling Connor what's what. She has, She's the one who organized this get-together. She has all the right concerns about Lucy um she knows something's up like yeah just yeah continues to live up to the high expectations we have of her um which leads us to the last uh parent in attendance uh the newly named butt hayward yep i called him butt hayward it's a bottom tier joke but he's a bottom tier guy uh i feel like what's super telling about brett here is he, he how he's different but also not when he's with these other adults um, like he still does come across as a bit of a disaster. He chooses to eat the food despite uh, Jasmine telling him not to. He does that weird thing where he tries to not defend Bader against Jasmine, but like do that thing where he tries to like he basically does a poll. He tries to find a reason for it not to be racism, even though Jasmine's like, "Look, I have experience with this. It's racism." Um, he also has that one line. Uh, where he's like, oh yes, I liked Paul, which is, sh read the fucking rumor, dude. Um, so there's kind of this, like, that underlying selfishness in, in his way of thinking, everything comes back to him, I think he's still there. Um, but on the other hand, like, he, he's able to carry a conversation, he does sort of listen to these 
these other parents like he he passes himself off as a pretty functional human being here which is very different like he he doesn't he talks so much here about how oh, i can talk to verona the same way i'm talking to you guys and it doesn't do anything and it's like well you don't though that's the whole problem um but at the same time he presents himself just well enough here that you can see why people don't realize how bad things are with him and verona like jasmine seems to be getting an inkling but he he puts off just a good enough face and he's got this excuse with his stomach right now that he can't quite put it all together so um yeah uh he also has one bit where he says he doesn't have enough money to you know get her therapy but also he wants to send her to like this nature camp and this was something that ace of sword on reddit pointed out that like it's kind of ridiculous that he he goes directly from i can't afford therapy to i want to send her away to a nature camp which presumably costs more um i, I mean the other thing that jumped out to me when he said this is he's saying it to jazz who's also a single mom and like working a job she doesn't particularly want just the one like i everyone's financial situation is unique i don't know what their respective salaries are but i just i can't help but look at like jasmine managing to do it and thinking isn't there a way like you could brett like I, I don't know, Verona's parents' uh, priorities sort of continue to feel like a problem here. Um, and speaking of, uh, I do want to touch on Verona's mum, because she does come up here. And there's not too much to say, because she's, she's talked about, uh, she doesn't actually show up, although she might come to the next one. Um, but Jasmine seems to kind of have her pegged the same way we did, is in that she's just kind of useless and, yeah, has her priorities completely wrong. Um, Jasmine gives us a bit more insight into why her moving back to Kennet really isn't feasible. Like, it's not just that she would lose her current job, but there's not really any other opportunities for her, which makes sense. But, that, like, I, like, I don't know, it's your daughter, figure it out, like, force her to move in with you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we've beat around this bush plenty. Um, so, yeah, um, that's that's the, the parents of the Kenneteers. Uh it was this was yeah again this was just a really fun fun idea for an extra material uh but before we are let go we do get a little snippet from uh a conversation between two of our culprits uh there's a line here that makes it clear there's at least one other i kind of got the impression from it there's more i don't know what that means um but basically they talk about killing john they don't want to talk about that so they don't want to kill the kenneteers so that's nice um I've seen like a bunch of theories on who this could be because I feel like the obvious things everyone jumps to is sort of Matthew, Edith, and Charles as the two of the three, just because uh, everyone else is either talked about, not present in Kennet right now, or doesn't talk normally. Like, you know, no one here talks like a goblin or a fairy. Um, so you're kind of left with Ma Matthew and Edith and Charles through process of elimination. Um, but I've seen some fun ones like Spinagon on our Discord suggested it could be Edith and the girl by candlelight talking, um, which I, I think there's been discussions before about whether they're separate entities, and so that could be fun. Uh, Nameless218 on Reddit suggests maybe it's Edith and the Doom, which I don't know, based on what we saw from Matthew's head in 5.d, if the Doom can really talk like that, especially to Edith. Um, but I, I like these ideas that both these people bring up of like considering the Doom and the Girl by Candlelight as maybe a little bit separate from Matthew and Edith. And is that something everyone's been kind of overlooking? Uh, so, yeah, like overall, uh, uh, another great little teaser that reminds us that, hey, Kenneth's still here. 
that shit's still going down. We've still got that deadline of the summer. Someone is 100% planning to don those furs and, and take the role after killing John. So, uh-oh. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's this uh, extra material. A very, very fun one. Uh, as I already said earlier, uh, you, we will all be thankfully listening to Ruben's voice as well uh, next week uh, when we get back onto our reg- regular schedule. So uh, this is the last chance to answer this discussion question that has gone on for a very long time. Is Bristow's new network a good idea? What changes would you make? Uh, yeah, so you can answer that in this discussion thread in any of the other many discussion threads that are available. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, so live reads will be kicking up again on Twitter in like two days after this comes out, uh, whenever the next chapter is out. Uh, there's also doofmedia.com. That's uh, our website. You can find Power Reflections. You can find all the other shows. Kingslingers just had their uh, like New Year's uh, Eve episode come out, and that show is actually wrapping up in only a few months. So now's your chance to get on board. If you, if you miss listening to Matt and Scott, uh talk about wabo works uh well now they're talking about stephen king works and you know that's it's almost as good um so yeah uh head over and check out that podcast if you haven't um if you like doof everything that we do doof media uh, patreon.com forward slash doof media is the place to go and express that appreciation financially uh so we can do things like pay to keep our websites up and and you know buy equipment and stuff uh, these shows wouldn't exist in the format that they do without our patrons. Uh, and speaking of, Wobbo wouldn't have the freedom to experiment with stuff like this extra material and all the other extra materials if he didn't have, you know, constant support from his patrons. So if you don't Patreon Wobbo and you want to keep reading his works and see him experiment with stuff like this, head on over to patreon.com forward slash wildbow. And uh, so, yeah, with that said, see you all next week. Yeah.